0: The Real Food Reel is proudly sponsored by Melrose Health. Founded in 1979, Melrose Health has been delivering improved health over three decades by developing natural, delicious and innovative health foods from the best natural and organic ingredients. Their Healthy Kitchen Oils range has just launched and includes my favourites, liquid coconut oil, grass-fed ghee and avocado oil. Visit melrosehealth.com.au or check out at Melrose Health on Instagram to learn more. Welcome to The Real Food Real. I'm Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist. We're shaking things up on the podcast and each week I am joined by our cast of experts, including Kirsty Wirth, Phil Maffetone, Kale Brock, Allie McLean, Katie Pettuccini, and so many more leaders in the fields of real food, gut health, sports performance, holistic wellness, and optimizing your health, metabolism, and longevity. While you're tuning in to today's episode, would you take a screenshot of your smartphone and share it on social media with the hashtag RealFoodReal? I'd absolutely love to know that you're tuning in. And while you're there, why not share this episode with a friend who also needs to hear our information goldmines and aha moments. Sharing the show means we can continue our mission of simplifying nutrition and showing the world that health starts with what you choose to put on your plate. Without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode of The Real Food Reel. In episode 244 of The Real Food Reel, we take a deeper dive into Kale's lessons from the Blue Zones since returning home from filming the longevity film. We discuss the key lessons that we can all take from the world's longest living populations, including how we might change our nutrition, movement, mindset, and community approach as a result you will learn the true power of connection and how it is possible to both be productive and a little busy, but practice presence and avoid the franticness of modern day life. Hello, Kale, and welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me back, Steph.
0: I really enjoyed our last conversation that we had around your upcoming documentary, The Longevity Film. I just wanted to really explore more of the learnings with you to understand, of course, a synopsis of the film, but what you really took away personally. First, for the benefit of the listeners, can you tell us first the um, purpose behind this project and then we'll dive into your learnings?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, going into it, it's always any sort of project that I do is equally um, beneficial for me personally as it is going to be a, a uh, product of some sort. I mean, I love um, exploring these ideas behind uh, just interesting human phenomena. Um, so I think the longevity cultures and the idea of aging and, and whatnot is, is quite fascinating. So um, there was a story there that I, that I thought needed to be told and with the gut movie we, we told a quite a zoomed in story uh, because, you know, we're talking about microbes. You know, we're talking micro, literally um so i I thought there was there needed to be a conversation about more broader aspects of health and the underlying philosophies behind health, which uh, i'm particularly passionate about um and and for that, I think the answer is always go to the people who are doing it best, mm-hmm. not go to um some scientist who 's got a wacky idea about um you know measuring blood markers of a certain chemical uh so that 's what we did and I think in the end we're telling that story and and conveying those timeless principles that I think offer some pretty tangible uh, health benefits as well.
0: Yeah, I love it. So I'll definitely link to the show notes for our previous episode on the longevity film for those that haven't yet tuned in. I encourage you to do so. But let's explore your personal changes since you've arrived back home. Firstly, in the area of nutrition, like what did you learn and what have you changed yourself? Actually, nutrition's an interesting
1: one because I went into it, um, I mean, you know me, I'm experimenting all the time with, with nutrition and I went into it going, okay, I may be challenged here to a large extent. I may uh, learn that nutrition is not that important but I actually found that Nutrition seems to be quite, quite pivotal in what these guys are doing and it's certainly a, a very important pillar of longevity and well-being. Mm-hmm. Um, what, and the biggest surprising thing for me with nutrition was was finding out that most of these cultures are, are passionate gardeners um, and most people have some sort of garden plot that on their property or that they have access to close by. Uh, and that provides a significant amount of their dietary needs and they're also very passionate organic farmers so they they balk at the idea of using chemicals on on their soil and on their plants because you know quote unquote um, they don't think it's safe they they don't want to feed their children chemicals they don't want to feed themselves chemicals um, so that was something that I was not prepared for I thought oh my gosh like this is what I used to think, but I'd sort of gone, look, people can still be healthy without um, dialing in their nutrition 100%. But I think when we go back to this seasonal, local, organic whole foods diet, like what these cultures are doing, we really set the groundwork um, for the rest of the longevity aspects, the longevity pillars to, to kick into gear. And I think without them, we always diminish the quality of life. Um, because I think that we are going to get time, we are going to get duration and quantity of years now, because we've got um tremendous technology uh, to keep us alive, but that technology doesn't keep us well. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to take responsibility for that, and that's where the nutrition component really came in for me. These guys are really committed to their to their traditional diets, you know, and they might have brought in, like for instance, in Okinawa, they used to live off Um, or they used to have it as their main staple, the Okinawan sweet potato. Now that has been superseded by some white rice, which comes often from Taiwan. Um, It used to be too expensive uh, so that everyone would be on the Okinawan sweet potato, but now it's it's quite cheap. So that has sort of superseded it. But you see that people who have their own gardens uh, like to grow the Okinawan sweet potato and rely on that as much as possible. Uh, And it turns out that that has a, a particular wide array of, of phytonutrients in it that is far more nutritious than white rice. So um, it's looking at those little things and, in you know, Okinawa as well, they're having a lot of seaweed, uh, which, you know, massive amounts of seaweed in fact, which turns out to be a longevity superfood, you know, directly um, interacts with our, with our genes and one of those genes is called FOXO3, um, which turns out to be a really powerful gene in terms of keeping our, our heart healthy and, and down-quelling inflammation. There's loads of examples like that where traditional foods in these cultures offer a a really strong benefit but I think what's universal about that is that these foods are often available everywhere around the world if you look at what naturally grows and what's native to a given area. I mean, we have these foods in Australia, for instance. We have, you know, kakadu plum and and all these wild herbs uh, growing around the place that, that we don't generally access. So I think when people get, in touch with their nutrition and even further, we'll, we'll talk a lot about the power of having your own garden uh, in this film and in this project. I think when we do that, we really set ourselves up properly to be able to benefit from the quantity of years that we'll, we'll definitely experience.
0: I love that. So simple and, you know, once again, we're going that full circle with our food, coming back to what probably our ancestors did very well Um, And then, of course, focusing on food quality, which we can't ignore. So that's amazing. So what have you got? What was that? Sorry. What have you got growing?
1: Um, I've got some spinach, some kale, some chives. Uh, I've got some tulsi, which is holy basil. It's Mm -hmm. a a very adaptogenic herb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also pick a lot of stuff down by the beach. I pick some dianella berries. I pick some aloe vera. Uh <laughs> that's probably about it. Other than that, it's connecting with the farmers who grow um, produce around the, the place. So it's going to the farmers' markets. It's working out who's organic, who's doing, looking after the soil um, and all that sort of stuff and connecting with them because I don't live a life that's can, um, going to allow me to spend as much time in the garden as these cultures do, not yet anyway. Um, so I don't think it's going to be viable for me to grow 50 to 70% of my food supply. So I think we, the answer here, um, besides doing a little bit of foraging, besides doing a little bit of gardening to at least introduce those very fresh, alive foods into your life, is to connect at the farmer's markets with your growers um, and find the best growers who are passionate and are and doing it organically. Um, and yeah, I think that'll offer tremendous benefit.
0: I love that. I think it's a great way to bridge the gap, you know, with lots of travel or certain time constraints. You're right. You haven't got the capacity to be in the garden as much as that much produce would require, but you can still do Mm. a little bit in your house. And, you know, we've had um, Cindy on the show before educating us on how we can even do it in an apartment. Um, Ian and I have just, or Ian Grace and I have just moved house and we're getting some veggie pots because we've got this really nice outdoor area now. Um, up until now, we've really only grown things like spinach and silverbeet and um, we had things like herbs, like you say, you know, it's very easy mm. to grow Vietnamese mint because it's a weed, so it's quite easy to <laughs> yeah. um, But other than that, I'm a bit with you. I, I tend to try and go to the farmer's market as often as possible. But I am, as I get older, really trying to do more and learn what I can grow in a much smaller space. I'm really excited about doing that at our new place. It's probably
1: relevant though, as well, like as you get older um, and we get wrinklier and we get, you know. <laughs> you <laughs> um, <laughs> that just came out. Um, I was talking more about myself, my sun weathered <laughs> face. Um, when we do that, I think we we naturally come back into in, within. You know, Paul Chet was talking about as the reason we grow old and we get wrinkly and all this sort of stuff is to bring ourselves back into our hearts. And I think. Um, throughout the years you know we're much more resilient uh in these vital years now you know between 20 to 40 we're, we're very resilient and we can probably get away with not growing um all that all the food ourselves you know and and doing the organic stuff um and then as we get older and our priorities shift and we start moving perhaps more inward as opposed to outward that's when i think the opportunities arise for us to get back in the garden and to, and to get back to those traditional lifestyles um, and, and by doing so that tends to keep us very young
0: um, yeah that's beautiful I love that message um, and for me personally thinking about teaching Grace that from a much earlier age like that's something I'm really excited about you know her first food was organic pumpkin from her granny's garden you know ah, so good yeah Ian's mother is a wonderful gardener and they have lots and lots on their property in Launceston Um, so we benefit from that ourselves when we travel Um, Ian will always bring something back on his fortnightly trip as well Um, and showing grace that I think is a beautiful message that we can teach our children I didn't have that as a child so it's all very new to me to learn but hopefully we can start to really understand the benefits and I think teach the younger generations as well
1: and that is so, so powerful because if you look at traditional societies and you look at what happens in the blue zones, there's this constant cross-generational interaction. Um, there's no segregation between the ages. And this probably edges onto um, some of the other uh, pillars that, that we'll, we'll speak about such as um, community, you know, and, and there are no kids' parties in these places. There, wow. uh, it's all just one party. Um and again, Paul Chet was talking about if we want to stay young and if we want to um feel like we're young uh at every level, the answer is children. When we see grandparents engaging with children we we see them light up right we see we see the children literally not literally figuratively injecting youth into into our elderly and the elderly passing on wisdom to the younger generation. Um, so I think that's really important, and and you're right, gardening and these more simple activities can be a really good platform for that to occur for things to, for, um, for the elderly to engage with children over. Uh, and we see that when when elderly people and when we ourselves engage with younger people, all of a sudden we start moving like them, and we 're crawling on the floor and we 're squatting down and we 're picking up and we 're pushing, pulling, lunging, squatting, bending and folding. Um, which turn out to be all these primal movement patterns, which keep us young and prevent us from, you know, um, aging faster than we have to. Uh, I think, you know, there's so many benefits from us just sort of wiping the, wiping the age ranges um, off the table and and really crossing those boundaries. And I've certainly come back with with that at the forefront of my mind. I mean, um, throughout this experience, I've been talking about my grandpa. Uh, Back in Adelaide, and um, really trying to get him engaged a lot more with the family. So every time I go back um, to Adelaide, it's hey, come over for dinner. Let's go for a walk. Uh, Let's, you know, can you come and work at my film screening? You know, it's free work, right? (laughs) So free employees. Um, Can you come and usher people to seats? You know, those things give, I think, a lot of years to people's lives, and, and we tend to ignore them here. Someone asked me yesterday on a podcast, they said, how can we um, reinvigorate our elderly now? Um, And I was sort of saying how when I talk about this, I'm not just talking about a longer life. I'm talking about a quality life for the entire ride. I'm not just talking about 10 quality years at the end that we can add on. I'm talking about ensuring the quality of your life now, you know, for the 25-year-olds as well. Um, And anyway, we were talking about what can we do to reinvigorate the elderly and it was like give them work give them purpose, give them, give them uh, engagement with younger people. If we flooded our nursing homes and, and elderly uh, villages, retirement villages with children every week, uh, it would do tremendous benefit. I mean the studies show this when, when we wind back the clock in, a, in even an artificial setting for, for older people uh, they they have tremendous health benefits, measurable health benefits from doing that. Uh, so if we dump a bunch of kids with the grandparents and get a babysitting or, mm-hmm. like I'm trying to do, get my grandpa along to uh, work for me at the film screening for free, uh, he'll get a free seat at the film. So um, <laughs> that, that those things are, are very, very actionable tools for us to, I think, reverse the aging scenario.
0: I love that. You know, I saw that first in my parents. My sister's eldest is six. And so six years ago when he came into our lives, I really saw my parents become younger again. And that was yeah. especially my dad who's 10 years older than my mom. And, you know, he doesn't listen so I can say this no. <laughs> um, <laughs> age difference is starting to become a little bit more obvious for the first time ever you know up until now i've never really noticed that they were 10 years apart or we are starting to notice that as he's above 70 but when he's with my two nephews you'd never know it's beautiful to watch um and i love seeing that and then you know i see i've got two um great grandmothers in my life at the moment which i'm very lucky to have um I think what I've noticed more recently is that lack of community and, like you said, with trying to get your grandfather involved, I think we can all do a lot more because, you know, we're told that we have to retire at a certain age, in the West at least, and then a lot of people Mm. don't have that purpose or that connection or that community and the decline that's associated with that is quite phenomenal and I think we can stop that if we stay engaged it doesn't need to be in a paid capacity unless, of course, you want to, but I think there needs to be something that we have in our days and in our weeks.
1: Yeah, and and we, I think we can all take responsibility for that. It doesn't have to be something that's necessarily, well, I mean, how often does this happen? It doesn't necessarily have to come from the top down in terms of policy uh, implementation. It can come from us. We can create um, small communities. Uh based off of this idea um, that allow us to stay engaged even if we're not going to a job every single day. I mean, the year we retire is one of the most dangerous years statistically of our life. So if we can buffer that with with some sort of balm for the, for the human condition, um, I think we're going to stand ourselves in good stead to enjoy the rest of our life. For me, it was when I came back from the film, I worked from home, you know, I may as well Be busily retired, if you will, because I work from home. I choose my own hours. um, I often work alone. So I had to sort of look at that and reassess that and go, what am I going to do about this? So it was, we moved house. We moved up to a couple of suburbs um, into a a little village on the beach where I can walk to the surf every day and I can walk down the street. And it's very hard for me to walk down the street without bumping into someone and having a conversation. So all these, just these tiny little um, changes, I think. Uh, make these healthier choices easy and make them inherent in our lifestyle as opposed to them being a conscious um, intervention. You know, we're always talking about the interventions these days and we're talking about, oh, you've got to meditate for 20 minutes before powering on into your unsustainable (laughs) day. Well, why don't we just create a lifestyle that's more meditative in nature um, so that we can actually just experience the benefits of it all the time and not have it be a conscious thing? What What if we created... Um, movement patterns uh, that were again just inherent in the way that we live so if we're talking about elderly we're saying okay well the 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 retirement village or the place that we live requires movement and that's a lot of the the blue zones these are inconvenient places to live I mean you go to Icaria and it's like steep it's dry it's rocky it's rough terrain but that happens to offer a really um, powerful benefit to to the inhabitants there because they have to walk upstairs all the time. I was hanging out with Maria who was 88 years old and she was gardening and climbing steps like that I was struggling with, you know, these awkward um, ladders under fences, you know, just awkward stuff but that they, they power on through it because they never stop because it's a part of their lifestyle and I think if any of us are, are convincing ourselves that, we're going we're gonna to keep up the 40 different health interventions and tools that, that we're told we have to, to to live well. If we think we're going to keep that up for 80 years, we're kidding ourselves. Um, we need to make these uh, powerful health ideas, these philosophies culturally inherent. Um, and that might not happen on, on a widespread scale in terms of Australians. But it might happen in a village we can absolutely contribute to our suburb or even more micro than that we can contribute to our street and we can contribute to our family in those ways and encourage those behaviors um, so yeah I think I think we we are in the driver's seat with this stuff it's not going to it's it's going to be a long time before policy gets introduced and, and that sort of stuff um, but, you know, to be liberated with that freedom of choice and how we spend our time and what is what we spend our time doing is exciting. It, it, should, it should be empowering, not disempowering.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So we're on the topic of community and I know that you guys have moved, well, you and Emma have moved house so that you're more close to yeah, like your local community. Have you made any changes in your immediate family? You mentioned your grandfather, but have you changed anything with how you um, interact or how often you communicate with your Adelaide-based family?
1: Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of people don't. A lot of people live away from their family or move away from their family. Ian, for instance, um, it's something that we need to consider because we need to effectively introduce a surrogate family <laughs> um because and not not to replace not to replace our, our our biological family but to um soothe the need that we have emotionally physically to uh be connected with people on that level um for me it's it's spending more time facetiming the 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 kids you know my nephews for instance um, so it's it's Facetiming them once a week and and trying to be engaged with those lives and using technology and social media in a good way, right? To to connect with them. Um, and when I go back to Adelaide, it's very much uh, the entire time I'm just busy with family stuff, which is great. Um, so so on a day to day basis, uh, it's it's more about creating those familial relationships or at least they feel like familiar relationships with the people around you because if we're going to talk honestly about it, community, the most important thing is uh, the most important people in your community are the ones you see every day because they're going to have the biggest impact on your your happiness, your engagement, your your excitement, your fulfillment, your purpose. Uh, So it's probably for a lot of people going to look like their work environment. So if you're not in a positive work environment, then that's something that you should change. You should really try and change that. Um, so and I know that's a big deal. It's not easy to, to change your work environment. Um, if you are at home with, with kids or you are like me working from home, then it's, okay, who do you go out and see every day? And, and I think the power of implementing or developing and cultivating routines are really, really effective here for me, it's going to the same three um, cafes uh, throughout the week. I'll tend to eat out every day, once a day um, because, you know, that That for me my justification is, well, I'm not paying office rent, uh, although for the tax amount that might be. Um, I'm not paying office rent. So I can spend that money on going out and going to my three favourite cafes and seeing the same servers, seeing the same customers, and getting my engagement and my conversations happening there. Um, and that's all done very consciously. And now, obviously, you know I've gotten back into yoga in the last year or so um, and I'm going to yoga three three to four times a week and I see the same people there and it's about connecting and, and chatting with those people um, and really soaking up those opportunities. I think before this trip, uh, I was going through the motions with those things. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go to yoga. There's no intention behind it, you know. It's going to yoga just to go and do the yoga. But now it's it's going to the yoga to, to see all the people there, to have a conversation with those people, to soak it up and and do so consciously knowing that those conversations are as important of a health tool as the green s- smoothie I'm going to have this morning, um, you know. So I think those opportunities exist for everybody uh, and, and routines can really help those become habits uh and and very 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 healthy habits so yeah i think um with the family thing it's about for me it's about connecting with them with the technology that i can uh, on a regular basis and seeing them obviously as much as i can without having to fly back to adelaide <laughs> excessively um but then it's about creating really positive daily relationships which turn out to be the most important uh with the people around me so yeah, it's a very intentional thing for me to walk down to the cafe now and, um, and bump into people and, and have a conversation. I'm almost like that annoying guy who's like walking down the street with a big smile waiting for someone to talk to. <laughs> um, but, it, but, it's, but, but it's beautiful, you know. And you see like people can have problems that they're dealing with but you put them in a conversation, a positive conversation um, and, and where laughter is, is there and, and those problems tend to float away pretty quickly and we feel a lot better. I think now we're trying to um, use social media as a bit of a as a crutch to to lean upon or as a false um, a false uh, entry point to community uh, when it's not. It's never ever going to replace interpersonal eye to eye engagement with people. I think we've really gone wrong with that, and the reason everybody feels like they're too tired they, um, they don 't want to be socially engaged, oh, I just want to you know sit at home and watch Netflix it's because we know what everyone else is doing now mm. because we're scrolling through Instagram all day. Uh, I think we need to <clears throat> develop a, a natural healthy curiosity like, hey what's everyone up to?" Um, so those conversations become a lot more authentic and interesting and engaging for us, and in, subsequently, we feel more motivated to go and, <laughs> and seek them out. Um, so yeah, that that's my sort of thought process. There, it's definitely become a very very conscious thing and a good health tool for me to actually get out the house each day and walk down the street and go surfing and, co- and chat with people in the surf. Um, those opportunities are, are very valuable and, and very powerful.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think a lot of us have moved into that more um, solo work life and. You know, I love that most of the time Um, but it's important that you have the connection. So for me that occurs when I go into the clinic two or three days a week and I'm with my staff and with my clients and then obviously there are other ways. I've heard many people who have forever wanted to work from home and then a few weeks in they're lonely and bored and just doing the washing instead of getting any work done so they're going to Mm -hmm. the work share spaces or the local library or catching up with friends to actually achieve work together and those strategies are really important because they give you that community vibe and that that connection once again so yeah
1: Yeah, and it's really easy to dislike people on a broader scale I mean if we talk about for me like festivals for instance I'm like oh god festivals (laughs) yuck Hmm. you know but but the people, the individuals, when we when we when we break down that bias that we have against um, something that feels obligatory and and negative, for instance, you know, lots of people. Um, I, I think it's so much easier to connect and feel positive about that experience. I mean, even someone—if we talk about someone that's universally disliked, like Donald Trump—I'm um, sure. I could sit down and have a conversation with Donald, and and enjoy that conversation and benefit from that conversation. So I think it's about reminding ourselves of that. I'm very I'm I'm um, conducive to using that excuse, like oh, I just don't want to see people right now. But as soon as I see someone, an individual, um, that gets thrown out the window. You know, I, I love and and value those experiences, and I think most people do. I mean, the research shows that even introverts. Uh, experience a lot of benefit from engaging with with people on a positive level. Um, so we are we are very community minded and biologically community wired uh, organisms. You know, for, for ten thousand years or even longer. Sorry, um, but but ten thousand years ago, uh, which is really not that long in terms of the biological time scale, um, we were existing in hunter gatherer clans made up of of one hundred and seventy people. You know, of and they're most mostly interrelated, interdependent, sharing-based economies. Uh, we needed each other. We we engage with each other constantly, and we I think we're still the same organism, but we're living in a different culture and society. And we need to honor those primal origins by just uh, implementing some really simple uh, ideas. You know, which can be as simple as a weekly catch-up with your friends for a coffee. Even better, a daily ritual that uh, brings you out of your shell and gets you talking with people and engaging with people uh, in a positive way.
0: Yeah, I love it. There's some really great tips. Um, So there's a couple of other areas I wanted to explore. You've mentioned movement briefly around sort of primal movements and yoga and I was thinking how great gardening could be. to obviously Mm -hmm. not only provide you with, the food that you want to be eating, but it's such great exercise. Is there anything else that you've learned from the movement um, that you've changed in what you've personally been doing?
1: No, not particularly. I mean, I'm lucky because my lifestyle, especially with surfing, is my big anchor, right? It keeps me moving every single day. I think that's what's key about the longevity cultures is that they move every single day, but they also move moderately for long periods. So we're not talking about going to CrossFit for 45 minutes in the morning and then sitting for eight hours at a desk. That, to be honest, is probably not going to lead to a long and healthy life. Um, what we're talking about with these cultures is constant movement. So they are in the garden for, for four, five hours, um, but then they're also, they're also doing jobs and working, you know, physical jobs around the house. And it's something even as simple as doing the washing or cleaning um, those things or cooking even you know, standing on your feet and cooking, moving around the kitchen. Those are opportunities for, for people to move. And we tend to underestimate them. We think, oh, that's not, that's not an exercise. I've still got to go and smash myself at the gym. Um, but we do so in a way we burn the candle quickly when it comes to exercise. And I think the, the key is to actually burn the candle um, moderately and slower uh, so that we can allow ourselves to regenerate all the time. <clears throat> and for me, um, I think I was doing that a lot anyway. I feel much less obliged now to go and work out in the gym. <laughs> it's funny. Like I've, I've, I've become much more interested in, in um, playing. Uh, so surfing is my constant play. If the surf's bad like it is right now, um, I'll go to yoga or I might even just go and play on the gymnastics rings uh, and, and go and do that stuff that I was doing for a long time but then sort of just let fall by the wayside. Um, so I think th- those, those things are much more powerful for us because they're sustainable. I look at my mum who's been um, super active her whole life, so she's a very good netballer and then um, has become very interested in the gym, but mum goes to the gym for 45 minutes in the morning and then, and then sits for the rest of the day. You know, So I'm trying to, impl- trying to encourage her to implement some changes there. Well, hey, maybe instead of going to the gym, can you go for a walk? Um, can you go for three walks today? Uh, and they're just a little bit shorter, but in total, they make up 60 minutes of exercise. So I think those sort of um, re-approximations of what the longevity cults is are going to be really important. I'm not against people going and getting shredded and getting really functionally fit, um, but I think there needs to be an outcome for that. If you're just going to the gym to get better at going to the gym, you're kind of missing the point. I think you need to go to the gym to get better at everything else outside the gym. It should be an empowering health tool, but instead we use it as a bit of a an, an obsession, which is fine. Again, everyone has the, the freedom to, to do those things. Um, But we have to live with the outcomes. You know, that's the universal rule. And I think the outcomes of, of burning the candle too quickly is that we, we injure ourselves and, and it may not lead to um, a long, happy, healthy life. I think the slower approach, not necessarily the easier approach, but the slower approach is going to be much more beneficial. I saw um, Ilyas, uh, a guy in Ikaria, Uh, who was dancing for probably, um, six hours at the Panagiri, uh, at the festival. And Yordigo, who was, um, uh, how old is Yordigo? I think he's 92 or or something like that. Uh, he, he's the beekeeper, right? So he works all day. He's got a garden. He does beekeeping. He's got a busy shop that he keeps. And then he was out dancing for, you know, a good three or four hours on the dance floor until uh, quote-unquote kale came and stole all the girls to dance with um so you know i think those those simple those simple things that we overlook are beautiful opportunities to move our body in a very healthy way and again i'm not trying to tell people don't go to the gym um i'm trying to tell people to to reframe that if you're going to go to the gym then spend the rest of the day moving as well um that's really what we're designed to do if we sit down for, for two to three hours or more we, we start to induce inflammatory pathways and we shut down fat burning pathways um so you know these are things we need to think about and even if it's something as simple i've got the swiss ball right now it's sitting over there by the by the computer and i'll change positions because it's not that comfortable to um to to mess up your, your positions on the on the swiss ball so i'll sit cross-legged i'll sit with my knees under me then i'll bounce for a while uh, and those little opportunities Will well allow us to be um, productive at the same time without going, well, Kale, okay, don't leave a retired life. can't just go for a walk every 20 minutes. Uh, get a stand-up desk. Get a walking desk. <laughs> There's plenty of different tools we can use. We just need to value those um, sometimes undervalued movement tools.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think it is. It's about what you do. All day, not just for that 30 minutes or 60 minutes that would be structured exercise. That's a really important takeaway. Um, Yeah. Sort of last couple of areas though, attitude, I get a sense that you've definitely become more interested in people, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which is great. But, you know, I feel like some of that comes from having more time. Like often when I go to the cafe to get a coffee, I'm doing, I'm getting a takeaway because I haven't got a lot of time. So, I'm probably that person that if you came up to me with your big smile to have a chat, that it wouldn't be the greatest time for me to chat right then and there. <laughs> but you, you have obviously carved out more time in your day to enjoy these experiences and that's something I could definitely do more of because I tend to be going from one thing to the next, especially now as a mum. <laughs> have you made changes mm. to your schedule or have you pretty much always been like this?
1: <laughs> no, I mean this is I've just... This is good to talk about because I've mm-hmm. just completed probably the, the busiest two months of my life. In, you know, I'm, we're in post-production for a film. It's crazy. I just wrote the companion book to the film. Um, I'm still doing a bunch of, you know, other stuff, like online courses and, and all these different things. Um, so it's important to point out that I've still been really busy whilst implementing this. Mm. I think maybe why i'm building these experiences up is because i'm 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 um conducting them now with much more consciousness and awareness uh and as a result the the experiences are much richer um because when i'm there i'm there you know and i think that has been a huge change for me is And I don't know what it is, but being able to feel like I'm living meditatively, I keep talking about that. Um, And I've used things throughout the day that I previously disliked. Uh, So previously, I sort of feel like I'm always looking forward, right? I'm always trying to get to the next step. Yep, yep, bang, 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 bang. So if something goes wrong in my day, previously it's been frustrating, like if my computer stopped working or the garage door is stuck or you know little things like that um now I look at those as opportunities to be calm and present and that came from just observing the way these cultures live I remember I think the penny really dropped when I was with Ilias on his farm in Icaria and there was just nowhere else for him to be. And he had so many jobs to do on that garden, you know, spending all day there in the hot um, Mediterranean sun. But there was, he just brought this reverence, you know, this, this calm, this sense of calm. You know, oh, let's sit down and have a coffee. Why not? You know, I, I've never seen that before. And I think for me, that really infected me uh, and went, hang on, I've got to just enjoy this because. Um, these obstacles that I'm experiencing, they're part of the whole experience. And if if you really want to take it further, they're probably um, the whole experience itself. Ryan Holiday to, uh, wrote the book, The Obstacle is the Way. And I think it's so true and I knew that intellectually but now I sort of feel it emotionally as well. Um, so I think being more present has enabled me to to make more conscious decisions about how I spend my time. And, you know, those, that 15 minutes that I walk down the street in my mind it's, tends to inflame into this like two or three hours worth of, 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 what would you call love, if you will, like a really nice feeling to walk home with. And I think that feeling that brings our shoulders back, that brings our head up, that may, brings a smile to our face, um, lasts a long time and it's, it's very, very tangible. If we were to, if we could measure happiness in the blood, um, it would be right up there after those experiences. So, conducting and engaging with those experiences um, with much more presence and and awareness, I think is is making me um, just feel better in general. But this this whole, I mean, the, if you had spoken to me last time when we were in post production for the gut movie, I was stressed. I was so stressed. Um, and whereas this one's it's been like a breeze. I was I've done so much work over the past couple of months. Um, like I said before, I've been doing the film, doing the book. I had a couple of acting things come up. You know, it's been <laughs> it's been a wild ride, and I'm totally enjoying it. Um, so I don't know what that is, but it's a it's a big change in mindset, and it's about soaking up those experiences properly. So even if you are going to the coffee shop, I've got to go back to work. That's fine. Just even maybe saying, "Hey, how are you?" to to the barista um, might just fuel you for the next couple of hours. Or you know maybe it is about getting the coffee quickly, but then en- enjoying the experience with with a with a client or a consult more. Um, you know I think we we miss those experiences. We're surrounded by people all the time, mm. uh, so so to feel that and and do it consciously is nice. I mean I'm not so enlightened that I that I feel amazing being stuck in traffic. Um, but, but, but if you think about it, you, you sit there and I think that this is a previously a shit thing, <laughs> like a brush day and I want to get to where I'm going. Um, but that in itself is like, you know, who are in, the, who, who are the people in those cars? Um, you know, they're all just normal people. And they're all trying to get somewhere as well. No one's doing something wrong. Um, you know, and, and in a way we, we are all, we were all connected and, and, and I think we can enjoy that. But I feel like oh, it sounds weird. I've been doing a lot of research on psychedelics lately. I feel like, and I've never done it before, um, but I, I feel like I'm describing the experiences of a psychedelic trip. That's almost like what this what this journey in this film has done to me. It's made me think a lot about you know how I want to live and, and it's, it's dissolved a lot of um, segmentation. I think, in my life and blended it all into this wonderful experience to just enjoy for what it is.
0: I think that's so true and I'm having a giggle because the traffic thing is definitely (laughs) true for me. Um, Yeah. And... It's so, so it is for a good friend of mine and he and I have this saying where even if we like might accidentally beat the horn at someone, we then have to say out loud, I hope you're okay. Like acknowledging (laughs) that they're like a real person that if, you know, if they've done something wrong or if they've like, whatever it might be in traffic. Um, not getting caught up in, yeah, getting angry or holding on to that because mm. yeah, it's a normal person that's going about their day that, you know, could have a number of things going on or places to be. And yeah, I think um, motherhood has shown me that more than anything because when you're traveling alone with a newborn, it can be quite hard. Yet I have seen the best side of human nature it's mm. phenomenal the people that come and ask you if you need help that 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 actually help you whether it's putting on your little backpack cuz you're trying to do it one-handed the hostesses and and like the people that you're interacting with um, via the airline that you're flying with. They're like holding your baby for you. You've got men <laughs> opening the door for your pram. Like I'm not saying I didn't notice this before, but it definitely wasn't like my life was not like that. And so it's really opened my eyes to that kindness in human nature and given me the the lens to... To talk to people more and, and to communicate with strangers like i've loved that actually which is unlike me because i'm a bit of an introvert and i tend to keep to myself at times um but it's fascinating to see that and then to remember that that person that you're actually interacting with or that's you know cut you off in traffic or whatever it might be <laughs>
1: yeah and i'd i, so I- pictured Luke Hines as uh, the friend you were describing there but maybe I'm wrong (laughs) yeah I don't know it just sounded like something you guys would talk about
0: (laughs) you'll have to listen to the show Uh, as well I'll have to tell him the show uh,
1: (laughs) that's very funny um yeah I think it's about reframing those Mm. those experiences into opportunities I think previously for me as well that they were definitely obstacles um and they still will be and it will take constant reminders um, and I don't know what the switch is going to be for people to to reframe the, those those experiences into potential positive experiences um may, maybe it's the film maybe it's the film, and people get, come in to see the film, but maybe and probably more likely is is an experience like you know having your first child or or um or, or experiencing these longevity cultures in person. Uh, it, it's Yeah, it's it's definitely been a powerful journey, this one, which is nice. I feel like it's standing me in good stead to really enjoy life a lot more.
0: Yeah, I think that's beautiful, especially because you've got the contrast, like you said, versus post-the-gut movie and now. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're doing this in such a different state and enjoying the experience more, and yeah, it has to definitely be part of the, the lessons that you've learnt from this personal experience. And I'm just so excited for others to learn more from the film.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a good one. I think it's it's a lot stronger than the gut movie in terms of production, and we obviously spent a lot more money on it. But <laughs> it's it's longer. It's it's about this one's going to be about 90 minutes, and um. I think just based on what we've done, it's it's quite a compelling and engaging story.
0: Mm. Um, so yeah, beautiful. Just wanted to give you the space to add anything else to the conversation that you wanted to, um, but yeah, also tell us where we can learn more
1: yeah well we're just finishing the edit of the film now so uh, which is which is nice and we, we've got the tour starting in November in Sydney and then we're going around Australia and then going to California in February which is really exciting um, so we're going to be taking over cinemas and stuff throughout those areas throughout all the major places in Australia and, and over there so I think that those um, again the the cinema the screenings for me really title together full circle um, because it is getting a bunch of people together who happen to be like-minded um, and to talk about these ideas and and to drive them home on a community level and get the discussions happening because if we, if we can make that occur, then we will start to see change. Um, and if it just means that people instead of, um, you know, instead of rushing in, for instance, uh, where possible to get their coffee and instead they go and sit down and have the coffee with friends, um, that's that's it. Like I've done my job. Or if it gets someone to start a garden, uh, that would be amazing. Or if it gets someone to to reconnect with uh, their community, then that would be incredible. Um, those are really the intentions behind the film, and and of course, just to tell a nice, interesting, visually exciting, good story. I, I love it. It's really cool. I, I love the the tour, and I love the the vibe that that always brings um it'll be good to connect with people authentically
0: yeah i agree those small changes that we can take forever like you said it's not like a short-term intervention it's some changes that you can make forever and i think we can all acknowledge where we need to start for me it's i think a bit more space so i can slow down in some of those interactions um or experience more of those interactions in my day-to-day activities. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my garden started at my new house. So um, really appreciate the inspiration and I'm sure our listeners feel the same.
1: Ah, oh, exciting. I can't wait to see it. You'll have to send me some little photos.
0: I will. I'll have to get going. My Ian is quite the green thumb and I am not. So <laughs> okay. me, I'm, I'm open to, to giving it a good crack. <laughs>
1: Epic, epic news.
0: Yeah, so the links to the show notes, as always, thank you for your time, Kale. I'm so excited to see the film and, yeah, can't wait to chat again soon. Thanks for having me on again. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening, team. Make sure you dive into the show notes over at thenaturalnutritionist.com.au forward slash podcast. Now, before you go, can I ask you a favour? I'd be so grateful if you would leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I personally read every review and comment and love hearing your aha moments and takeaways from each episode. Together, we can continue to spread the real food love. See you next time on The Real Food Reel.